Hey, everybody, and welcome back to LEO Radio. My name is Dan Schwester. I'm Jim Harris. Phil Rizzo. Dave McKellen. And today we're going to talk, we're not talking to the cops who are on the job. We're talking about to the cops who want to be on the job. That's right. You're out there, uh, so you want to be a police officer, huh? So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about getting on the job, what you need to know, uh, what the important steps are, and how you can optimize your chances in a very competitive environment to get a job that's uh, pretty, pretty good. And that's one of the things we do at the J. Harris Academy of Police Training. We develop uh, programs for those who want to be involved in law enforcement, getting involved in law enforcement, and as well as those who are already law enforcement looking to move and advance in their careers and do uh, get their promotion. So one of the things we're going to talk about is actually getting on the job. It, in some parts of the country, it is very competitive. Whereas, uh, as we've seen from numerous different studies, the actual candidate pool of qualified candidates has actually decreased. Really? It's decreased throughout the country. Um, even in the competitive areas, it's still decreased. But we tend to see that as part of the societal issues that are going on with the representation of law enforcement in the media, the politicians using us as a wedge uh, between political parties. So it, there's there's definitely a stigma now being put on law enforcement. And just to reiterate what Jim is saying is that many, many agencies are seeing uh, when they're running their tests, less and less applicants taking taking the test. Where uh, when we were getting hired in the 90s, it was not uncommon to have thousand people for a test for right. two positions. Now you're seeing the same thing with 250, 300, okay. 350. Absolutely. I mean, but still a big number. I mean, if you look at in the corporate world or you look at other places, that's a fairly big number. So how... As a new applicant, as somebody coming out of school or maybe coming out of the military and, you know, you're looking for a job, you, you, you've always looked up to the role of a police officer. How do we optimize our chances of getting on that job? Back in the 80s and, and late 80s, early 90s, the swing from private sector to public sector actually really took hold because in the private sector, they did away with benefits. It was actually good to be a public servant we knew we weren't going to make a lot of money we knew that going into it but we knew that we were going to have good benefits vacation we had the fringe benefits that went along with the job we weren't going to be millionaires we knew that going into it but we did it because first off it's a calling one you know nobody gets into this job because they want to do it they they, they're called to it but secondly yeah i agree with that yeah but, but secondly it's it's because the fringe benefits that went along with it we had good medical benefits we were taken care of we knew we had a pension after our 25, 30 years, whatever that year right. range was, we knew sure. we had a pension. And that's why we got into it. With those benefits and that calling, it was it was a perfect fit. Now, with the societal changes and what's going on in, in government, they're taking away those benefits. They're, uh, they're, the, the pay is still good, but they're still taking away the benefits. And if you look across the country, pay for police and fire and public servants is not that great. The Northeast is a is a, a non anomaly, as well as the uh, the West Coast as well, because we get paid very well, as opposed to the Midwest. Right. We're also coming into a period of time right now, uh, as it stands, where there's almost full employment. Uh, there's a very very low unemployment rate, and and 
that factors into the idea of somebody wanting to get a police job or a public service job. Well, I think that when it comes to police jobs, public service jobs, there's that idea of stability. Uh, like Jim had said, there you know there are the the benefits and so on, and un- unfortunately, many of those have kind of gone to the wayside with uh, politics and budgets being what they are. But uh, there's still that idea of it's it's a a stable career. Sure, it's an honorable calling. It's a stable career. It still has a lot of pull. It's still for a lot of people. It's something that you want to do. Um, the majority of I think the you know even with the controversies. Uh, that are out there in the media. I think that it's still something that little kids look forward to being. I think it's still things that people in the neighborhood uh, tend to look up to. Um, and I think it's still something that has some value. So for that young person, that that person, the millennial generation, who's coming into the idea of, hey, I want to I want to help my community. I want to be a part of the solution, whatever their motivation is. So how do you prepare how do we get in? How do we start getting to the point where we can get to that hiring process and be a strong candidate? First and foremost, you need to be honest and consistent. Um, one of the things that bounced people out of background investigations in law enforcement uh, careers and in jobs as they're doing the background investigation is lack of consistency. So if you're doing an application for any law enforcement organization, you need to photocopy what you just did and make sure it's you're putting all the information on every application. A lot of times we see omissions on those applications, and when we start to see omissions, we start to question why they're omitting that information. We don't only look at that, our application that you're submitting, but we're looking at every application you've submitted to every organization. Good point. And... and- that is definitely a, a situation where we're calling other agencies to find out what was on that background that you did for the other agency, and we're comparing and contrasting. That, that's just what we do. We're background investigators. Right, and you're going to look at, well, why did they leave that off here, and why did they add this? And, yeah, I mean, consistency could be a, a major thing. I think the people that are strong candidates are consistent. And honest, because a lot of the times we'll – Every, there's no Boy Scouts in here. Well, there might be actual Boy Scouts in here. No. But, <laughs> no. but there, there's no real, uh, you know, we've all grown up. We've all had our, our ups and downs in life. But be honest about the things that actually happen. Be upfront and honest. Because if you don't, and we start to, to pick away and figure out that you're not being completely honest with, you know, a motor vehicle stop here or a ticket there, DWI. A drug arrest, a disorderly person's arrest. People have been arrested. Tell us why. What was the what was going on? What happened? But be honest about it. Okay. I mean, we, we do have access to juvenile records as well. We are going to find out if you had that issue when you were 13 or 14. Uh, all, all of these things are fair game, and, and our investigators are highly trained. Right, and these things are not necessarily, it's it's important to remember that some of these things are not necessarily disqualifying, but not telling the truth about them is absolutely disqualifying. Yes. So if you had some trouble as a juvenile, if you did something stupid, you know, if you shoplifted from a store and got caught, or you got caught at a party or something like that, or you got in a fight, just, just own up to it. I think, you know, I, you know, I think that's where people think like, well, they'll not, they're not going to find out. Oh, they will. Yeah, and federally, federally speaking, there's the Brady standard where 
if you have found to be lying on any part, even if as far back as your application for law enforcement, if you're found to be have lied on any part of that, you're now in violation of the Brady standard, which you are in technical terms, you are no good to a police office uh, to a police agency if you have ever lied. So just be upfront and honest because we can't hire you if we found out even if it's a small lie because then we have to report that under the Brady standards um, when we have criminal cases. Okay. So so talk about some of the aspects of things that we need to be honest and consistent about, Jim. What and, and Phil, what are some of these things? What are the big things that you guys see on a regular basis with applicants? If you had some type of juvenile arrest, we're going to find it. Uh, if, if you had some past drug use, um, even if it was just, you know, recreational drug use, one of your friends is going to slip up and say something. We're, we're going to find it. So you're better off just letting us know because many of those things are not going to be, as, as you had said, disqualifying factors. But the fact that you lied about it, 100% is going to is going to disqualify you. And, and that really goes into your full background, all your relationships, all your past employment. If you're looking to get into law enforcement, you have to document Start documenting everything you ever did. Um, your Every address you ever lived at from the, the time you lived there until the time you left. Every relationship you've had because they will go into it. Um, your past employment, your supervisors, when you worked there, what positions you held, why you don't work there anymore. Um, any disciplinary issues at your past employment and uh, any any disciplinary issues at your past educational facilities whether it be high school or intermediate school, everything has to be documented. If you are going to do an application, you have to start documenting it now. Once you fill out that first application, keep it, let it be the base for everything else you fill out. This way, all your information is consistent. If you are wrong on something, possibly an address, something small, at least it will be consistent through all, all the phases. Yeah, and if there's any change that you, you have, any change, make sure that you know... So if an investigator comes to you, why does this application say this and this application say that? You'll be able to definitively tell them, well, um, I recalled um, during that time uh, that I also held this position or well, for whatever reason you were able to uh, find more information. But you have to have a definitive reason why. And then from every application from that point on has to be consistent with that change. To support what David said, the, many of these background applications – 50, 60, 70, 80 pages. Oh, yeah. So it's not it's not like it's something that you're going to be able to do overnight. But we as background investigators want to see that if we give it to you on a Friday, that Monday morning you're calling us with that background completed. So photocopying it and keeping that baseline is a great idea because right. you're going to be able to just transfer that information. Right. And again, consistency. But... The other thing I want to go with the backgrounds is make sure you follow the directions because I can't tell you how many times it will say, oh boy, it will say print in black ink and we'll get a typewritten yeah. background back it. Well, you didn't follow directions and yeah. that, and that could be a disqualifying factor sure. right off the bat. At if the very you, least, it's going to be like, you, you, you can't follow directions. You're going to have, you're going to have trouble in this job with it. If you can't yeah. follow basic directions, if it says, do not leave any blanks. And if there's a blank line, put NA. make sure you put NA. If we find blank spaces on there, you're not following the directions. Yeah. And that's a big part of application processes. 
how well does the applicant follow directions? Because that plays a part is if they're going to be a good officer or, or good a, recruit, a re- recruit employee. Right. Because you're going to get to the academy and you're going to be like, they're going to tell you to do things a certain way. For example, folding a so- your socks. And it's the most ridiculous thing. But there's a reason for it. Well, I know I'm a better cop because of the way we folded our towels in the academy. That's I right. know. Oh, That's totally. Right. My, name, my name my faced name, outward. Exactly. Yeah, name <laughs> faced outward. I, it was hard. The shoes were presented just so in the <laughs> locker. Yeah, we're talking to a deputy chief and a lieutenant. So apparently what you're doing was pretty good. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's another thing. Here's a pitfall that didn't exist in my time when I was an applicant. Um, maybe not in any of ours. Social media. Um, this is a big problem. This is a potentially a minefield for an applicant nowadays. I can just see like, you know, I, you know, I monitor my kids' social media and when they were younger and, you know, some of the shenanigans that goes on, I mean, are terrifying. It's like, and that stuff's out there and it's there forever. And, you know, what, what guy, what, what do you, what do you say to an applicant? It's really a, a difficult situation because again, when we were in college, you, you maybe had to worry about a Polaroid or, or, you know, a, a, another picture. <laughs> oh, do <laughs> we? Um, but the truth is that, yeah, these social media, everybody is posting everything. Yeah. And the internet is very unforgiving. Once it's up, it's quick. It's there. And it's there forever. Uh, it's you, you can't scrub somebody the, can find it you can't oh, yeah. scrub the entire internet and with facial recognition now you might it might not be on your page but when you google and do facial recognition you can pull up that person on numerous different sites right so even though you might be thinking you're you're squared away you were at some party and you were messing around that picture could be on someone else's site right of this group i'm probably the only one who went to an academy when there was actually social media Okay. And day one, it was username and password because we're searching backwards through your account. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's not a lot of a lot of the people are, are, are cognizant of their face, but they don't really pay attention to what's in their background. So they're, even though it's like you are taking a selfie of yourself and your friend behind you. They're doing coke off uh, off a table and you're not you're not you know, you're also catching that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, you got to be careful about what you're actually taking a picture of, not only in the forefront, but in the background of that picture as well. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, you know, the uh, and, you know, watch how you comment, watch what you go to, watch who you talk to on social media. Comments, you know, comments are just, you know, it, somehow it's like you get a username and you're on some of these sites and you think that you just have the ability to say whatever you want. It's insane. And many officers that are sworn officers are finding that out now through the disciplinary process where they're they're either fighting disciplinary charges or fighting to get their jobs back simply because of what they believed was a benign post or something that they believed they were just exercising their First Amendment rights right. uh, and not realizing that, you know what, that's not an absolute. Or when they make a criminal arrest and they're on the stand and the defense attorney comes up with a post that they Ooh. had that may show them... Uh, making disparaging comments that yeah. could get that criminal off. Yeah, if you're looking to get into this field, being a keyboard warrior, probably not the best route right now. No. No, I would agree with that. Um, some of the other things. Um, another problem, credit. 
We live and die by our credit cards these days. A lot of people overextend themselves. I've actually had uh, individuals as well, not only uh, not ha- or having bad credit, but having mm. no credit. Uh, it's very important to establish that credit. I had an individual who uh, I had done a background on, and we couldn't find him on any of the background sites. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have any credit cards. Um, off the grid. Yeah, he was really <laughs> he was really off the grid, and I told him, you need to get yourself a credit card, you need to get yourself a cell phone, and you need to establish credit because you're 20-something years old, and if you want to buy a house someday, you need to have credit. No, I think that's an excellent point. You know, this is the world we live in, whether you like it or not, and, you know, the old ways of doing things where you have, you know, you, you have your money in the bank, and you would write checks, and you'd only cover what you could do. Everybody lives on some sort of credit. The goal is to have an excellent credit rating to show that you're a good risk and to show that, you know, you're not overextended, that you're not going to be, that there's not going to be problems developing because you're stressed for money. Um, these good, things, these things are important. And good credit shows good judgment, good decision-making skills. If you're overextended, it shows poor judgment, poor decision-making. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a background investigator, as an administrator, as somebody looking for employment, you're looking at this candidate thinking, Does is this person going to make good decisions in their life? They can't make good decisions in their own personal life right now. Good point. How are they going to make good decisions under stress in the street when somebody life, someone's life or uh, liberty depends on that decision? So do you think that in the past, um, let's say somebody who had a bankruptcy, uh, because a lot of people have medically uh, related bankruptcies. Um, it's conceivable that a 20, 21 year old kid could be on their own, uh, you know, break their leg and, you know, go bankrupt from medical bills because they don't have insurance. Is that a pr- is that a problem? No, uh, no. it's really going to be a situation of what can you explain? Uh, okay. Again, if you if you are 23 years old, living at home with mom and dad and you have $45,000 in credit card debt, that's going to be problematic. Sure. Whereas if you were, we're doing your background and, you, and you're 23 years old, living on your own, have been out of the house since you were 17 and have $30,000 in debt because you had a, okay. an appendectomy or something like that okay. where you had to pay out of pocket. Yeah, and you're it, making those payments. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's, or it's even... definitely a, a, a circumstance by circumstance, case by case basis. Okay. So there's no algorithm to this. It really is the, the what the individual applicant does and how they explain it is going to make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it, it it also it depends on, you know, again the judgment, you know, willful judgment. And the other thing too is your debt as opposed to what your income is because it also opens up for corruptibility. So as an organization, you're you're looking at these candidates saying, you know, you're not. How are you going to make up this debt? Right now, you have $30,000 of debt. Your monthly payment is you know, $500 a month. You're making right now in your current position $900 a month. You're okay. But when you get hired you know, uh, with us, you're, you're going to make less than that. And when, how are you going to make up that debt? Because that opens up for corruptibility, and we don't want that in the position. Sure, it's definitely a danger flag. So if we've done this all and we've you know, we're on on the applicant and I've, I've, you know, make sure my social media is good. My credit's good. All this stuff is good. And I'm honest and consistent. So where do we go? So the next step is we sign up for the test, right? We go into the hiring process. So why don't you two take us through that? 
Um, talk about some of the pearls and pitfalls of going through the hiring process and what to expect. Generally, the first thing you're going to be filling out is a, uh, a one-page, two-page, maybe a three-page application that's going to have your basic pedigree information on it. Basic pedigree information just for the fact of gathering the information for the test. Um, then you're going to go to the testing center. Some will offer um, a briefing day where they come in and they actually give you a, a briefing on the test. Others give you a study guide. It, it really depends on the agency. And uh, the type of test, too, because you have two different types of tests. Exactly. You, you have, have civil service and you have non-civil service. So, I, again, I'm going to speak. So, talk about the differences. That's that's something that tends to cross people up. Like, are, you know, well, this department's civil service. This department's not. What does it mean for the applicant? What are the What do they need to be aware of? Well, civil, civil service is going to be governed under the, the, the Department of Personnel. And they have very strict rules when it comes to hiring and um, promotion and so on and so forth. They're going to be a more uh, strict type of a um, testing process where veterans are going to get preference. Uh, people who live in the town are going to get preference. So, so if you don't live in a civil service town it, it, you're, and you're not a veteran, you're really fighting an uphill battle almost, almost from minute one. If, if you're looking for a civil service agency. If you're agency. looking for a civil service agency. The other aspect with civil services, it's usually high school or GED to uh, apply. Correct. And you, so your educational standards are sometimes lower with your non-civil service agencies. Uh, sometimes there's a, a college requirement, whether it be 60 credits or some military or something like that. So there is some kind of uh, life credit that they try to get. Exactly. So uh, if we if we're moving to a, a chief's town or what we call a Title 40 town, um, many of those processes are going to be governed by a, an outside testing agency, whereas the Department of Personnel is going to run the civil service test. So you may have an outside agency such as the New Jersey Chiefs Police or um, another independent testing agent running that test. So as, as such, they are going to um, provide you with a, a proctor and you're going to run that exam where many times the officers from that agency are going to be monitoring that exam. Okay. And it's, it's a basically a 50-50 split throughout the country. Like there's... Any state you go to, half of them are going to be civil service, half of them are not going to be civil service, and the this the non civil service, basically they can hire any way they want. They can hire off of, of, of a resume, they can run their own test, they can um, they they have their own way. That They're they not can. held to a civil service law that dictates you will do this. These are the people that you have to accept. This is what how it has to be. How important is your physical appearance when you show up for all these tests and all these applications? So, <laughs> and, and we were actually talking about that. Uh, you know, especially for a Title 40 town, uh, if you show up to the test in shorts and flip-flops or like you just rolled out of bed wearing pajamas, we remember that. Absolutely. So my Van Halen t-shirt isn't the way to go? No, not uh, a lot of people even listening to this don't even know. Yeah, who exactly. Van Halen you, is. You've, you lost them at Van Halen. Who's Van Halen? Uh, all right. <laughs> Chain smokers or whoever the kids today are listening to. Chain smokers. So yeah. So the so the written exam. Uh, you go in. The written exam is is 
is uh, based on, on uh, several different things depending on who the company is. Um, there are companies that actually do preparation to help you with that written exam. And anybody taking a written exam you are doing yourself a disservice if you do not seek professional assistance or professional tutoring and getting the help that's needed. And and just think about this. When when we were all in high school about to take the SATs, a good portion of us took SAT prep. Well Absolutely. guess what? This is a standard sure. this is a standardized test and there are companies out there that can assist you with this. Yeah. Hey, let's look at it from the perspective of it's an investment. This is a million dollar or a couple million dollars over the course of your lifetime. This is a jackpot, folks. Are you willing to put in some time and put in some effort and put in some money to get the back end? It's an investment. Absolutely. And just just like we at the J. Harris Academy of Police Training, just like we do promotional training, for those who are going for promotions, you have to take the entry-level test. And there's only one person in the entire country that we recommend. Uh, Dave Perprada, he was a, uh, he's a retired chief from uh, a town in New Jersey, and he runs CCS Test Prep. Okay. And I, by far, he is the guy for entry-level testing. No matter what test it is, he's the guy to run for it. Good well, we can link to them in the show notes. Absolutely. I, I okay, would great. absolutely do that. So the written exam, um, you know, may or may not have job knowledge, may, you know, may just be an intelligence exam. Um, what what can you expect to see on it? They're, they're not going to actually have anything that's going to have a legal basis on it because um, you don't have the apperceptive base of, of law to take that test. So they're not going to actually be questioning you on legal type questions uh you see many types of questions where they'll give you a map and they'll say what's the easiest or what's the most direct route to get here uh they'll have you look at pictures of a a scene and then you have you know three minutes to study the picture and then they ask you a series of questions on that picture cognitive ability right yeah. so so you didn't ha- you don't have to know anything coming in and correct you know you, you're a criminal justice major we're not expecting a lot from that you know it's just basic stuff to see if you have the the cognitive ability correct. so common let's move so let's move on to the uh, oh common sense yeah huge thing in police work um let's talk about the physical and this is something that i've seen in my experience that people are really not prepared for whatsoever this is really one of the things that separates the uh, the rock stars from the groupies, so to speak. And and it really, it depends on the agency. Some some tests will have just a basic type of a, a PT test where they're going to be doing running, pushing, push ups, pull ups, sit ups, um, kind of like you would be doing in the academy. Uh, other agencies uh, go so far as to do a uh, an intensive obstacle course, which is very much kind of what you would have to do in the field where you start out getting into a foot pursuit, you jump over a fence, you jump over a six foot wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you then find some, find someone you have to drag a 160 pound dummy. Right. And, and then pretend you handcuffed them uh, and then run some more. But whatever, whatever it is, you got to go there in some kind of shape. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you have to be able in a physical fitness regimen, if you're overweight, you have to work on losing weight. You have to get yourself into a shape to do this. Um, I mean, I can tell, you know, I can tell everybody here from our experience. I know when we were testing, I was in the gym all the time. I was literally just 
working out, working out, running just so that you could get that little edge to get over. Um, this is where a lot of people fail and it's not something that it's not hard to pass. It just requires a little diligence. Again, you have to look at the community you're in. Um, there, there are communities that are surrounded by water that have swimming tests. True. And you'd be surprised how many how many people go into these tests not realizing that there's a swimming portion who are either afraid of the water or don't know how to swim. Oh, in. yeah. And they're, they're, they're physical specimens to look at, but then they jump into the pool and they sink to the bottom like a rock. Yeah. Right. So uh, the best thing is be in shape, be a well-balanced athlete, try yeah. a lot of different things, and know the department that you're seeking employment with you should get the information on what they're expecting on that test and train to that. Yes, definitely train to the test. Yeah, and and again, most most agencies when it's no secret, we're going to tell you exactly what we're what what the test is. We are not going to hide from you what is on that test. If, exactly. If, if there's a minimum pass standard of you have to be able to do thirty push-ups in in a Two minute. Minutes, yeah. Yeah. It's there. We put it in black and white. Right. And, there's there's and, no secrets. And the reason we do that is because we want the most, we want the largest pool of qualified candidates so okay. that we can choose the best. Yeah, that's people. a good point. It's not a weed out. We just You just want people that are going to meet the minimum standards so that you know that they can get to the job. Absolutely. Well, and again, you know, the cops have been found in some of the most unlikely people. Uh, so so we want to expand that base of of people that that are out there yeah absolutely we, we want to be reflective of the community we want to have the most diverse workforce so we are very transparent throughout the country of what we expect uh for our hiring standards what we expect in our application standards and our physical fitness standards and we share that so that we can have the largest pool of the most qualified candidates okay so i passed the written we passed the physical our, our theoretical applicant What's next? Next generally will come, uh, th- again, depending on the agency, generally there will be some type of an oral board, yeah. whether it's uh, a, a technical interview where they, it's, it's you and a panel. Uh, it's generally going to be a panel of uh, the command staff or sometimes they actually bring in an outside test agency to, to do that. But generally on an applicant level, it's going to be command level officers as well as supervisors and some and some. Uh, agencies are so forward thinking that they include patrol officers that are mm-hmm. FTOs uh, and senior type officers as well. Yeah, that makes sense because you're going to get that well balanced idea of of what they, their perception of this officer is and or this, this candidate. Is. And this is actually one of the areas that is the biggest failing of our pool. Okay. Because on paper, resume looks amazing. They're past the written exam. They were physical specimens going through the the physical fitness test and they were amazing but yet they sit in front of us and they can't communicate they can't tell us the number one question the the question that is the first question out the gate all the time tell me about yourself and they can't even answer that they can't communicate the most basic thing about okay so that's 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 a very common question that's something you guys should have rehearsed yeah. You, should, you should have you should have that written down. You should have practiced that. You should be able to say that at any point in time. You know yourself. You know exactly what you want to do. You know why you want the job. You know why you'd be good for the job. All these things you should know. That's what I was going to ask. So is it is it does it make a huge benefit to you to sit down with a pad of paper, talk to me about yourself? What yeah. are you going to say? Absolutely. You know what? Nowadays, 
we have these really cool things that we carry around with us called cell phones, and they all have cameras and video cameras. Uh, any, I, I believe every one of us have been through methods of instruction where we actually got videotaped. And yeah, we, we yeah. saw we saw. Yeah, I think where, we all took that. Yeah. Where where our benefits are and where our shortcomings were. But, Sorry, Dave. <laughs> but with that being said, you seeing yourself and hearing yourself is is where you're going to make your greatest strides. So you should be practicing these interviews and taping yourself and watching them. Yeah, and I, I think Jim's right. I think the tell me about yourself is a really hard question because for your better candidates, your right of the bell curve candidates, they also have probably grown up in an environment where they don't talk about themselves. They just do their job. And they and do it's effective and they they don't look for credit that's unnecessary because that's a hallmark of our of our job here is that we look for people who don't look for the limelight. We look for them to go out and do their job and serve the community. It's very hard for people to pat themselves on the back, but you have to do it in this format. But this is a way this is actually a format where you can boast about yourself but not be braggadocious. And the whole purpose for that tell me about yourself question. Yeah, it's an icebreaker. I, I get that, but what the the pool, what the the assessors are looking for is this is a basic question that can gauge your baseline communication skills. You know yourself the best, and you can express yourself about the topic you know best about. And if you can't even express or or verbally tell us about that one basic function about you, then it's no good. You That's don't have point. those baseline communication skills, and communication is the number one thing that we look for. Yeah, IPC skills are huge. It doesn't matter what part of law enforcement you're in, but IPC skills are huge. Interpersonal communication skills, if you don't have them, you're going you're gonna to lose it. And if you don't have that gift of gab, a little touch of finesse, that's what's going to get you through that interview. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb in the job when you're trying to get information from witnesses or you're trying to talk to people at scenes. De-escalation I, at a scene, just trying to de-escalate what's sure. going on. I mean, I have to say that, you know, as, as my career has progressed, I, I started out as a class one officer. What's a class one? A class one officer is, is an officer who is unarmed. Uh, and, okay. And only why, w- has why would an officer be unarmed? Because that's what they do. In New Jersey, that's in, what they do. In, in New Jersey, uh, many, many shore towns are able to start with uh, class one and class two officers. A class one officer is an unarmed officer who has... Uh, no arrest powers, but has uh, limited powers. Uh, Generally, does parking enforcement, yes. crosswalk well, but, stuff, but, Glor- glorified crossing guard. Yes, but but the reality was, <sighs> and, and again, I know I know Jim was a class one as well. I was, so. I was one. So so the the good thing about being a class one is you would end up confronting people, but you don't have the firepower to back you up. You okay. don't necessarily have all the weaponry. On, on the bat belt. So you had to really have that gift of gab to, to talk yourself sure. out of and de-escalate those situations. You built those communication skills. Absolutely. And that it was it was a good stepping stone. Okay. So so communication's critical and know that, you know, know that question, tell me about yourself. And know and, it and rehearse it. And there's numerous other questions that you need to be worried about and start practicing. Uh, when you're when you're preparing for this. So again, this is where Jim, this is probably where a test prep organization or a company or an organization that does this stuff can help you with all those aspects of the yes, process. Absolutely. Well, in, again, interviews are just like anything else where 
the more you practice, the better you're going to be. So if, if you continue to practice inter your interview skills, you're, you're going to be better at interviews. One other thing to add to that, too. You might be in a situation where you have multiple interviews going on at the same time. That first interview may not be the cake job that you want or that exact job that you want, but every one of those interviews is practice. Mm -hmm. And you need to look at that way, and you need to achieve the best you can at each time you go. Yeah, good point, Dave. And, and kind of backing that up, you're going to have multiple interviews going on at the same time. Make sure you're preparing for the correct agency when you walk into yeah. your interview. Well, that's, that's you don't want to say, oh, I want to apply for the ABC to police department when you're actually applying for the CBA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good thing. You know, do some homework. I always thought that was a good thing. And I know when I was applying, I tried to learn about every department that I was, you know, applying for. So when they say, what do you know about us? You're not, you don't sound like, well, I just want a job. And it's not you know, the Wikipedia. Like, yeah. See, I hey, I Wikipedia really, answer. hey, I really like what you do with this program. Hey, I'm really interested that you have a diverse department with so many officers or, or that you have canine, you have this, or you have a community policing. And, you know, I, you know, those are things, uh, talk about the geography of the place. I love in this, I love this area of the country. This is something that I want to do. I want to live by the beach. I want to live in the desert, things like that. Um, I found that people who are a little bit knowledgeable about the town or the, the jurisdiction that you're looking to work in tend to score higher on these oral boards than people who don't. Yeah. Also every department pretty much has a website. Go on that website, learn that mission statement. Uh, take everything great you know point. And, and, and wrap it around that mission great statement. Point. Because that's going to make you that great candidate. Yeah, I, I remember a candidate said, you know, tell, what do you know about our agency? What, you know, what, what makes our agency something you want to, you know, a, something you want to be a part of? And they look, they're like, ah, I really don't know about your agency. Ooh. How do you, how do you come to an, an interview like that? Thanks. It's been great. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, you also have those—you have those applicants who come out with, uh, you know, under this chief, and they and they start talking about the history of the department, and they say yeah, they have this program and that program, and I, I want to be part of uh, this unit or or that unit, but I understand that I have to start out as a patrol officer, and 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 they're kind of that gets to be a bit much. Yeah, but but on the same token, they did their homework, right? And that's a good, that's a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those are two good pearls to come out of the oral interviews. And at this point, the, the, the field has thinned out. Yeah. Um, you get through the oral interviews and you score pretty high. You've got a decent shot at this job. Would you agree? It, yeah. It really depends on how many candidates they're taking on to the oral interviews. I mean, if, you know, you could have a situation where they're taking on 50 or 60 interviews for, uh, you know, five or six positions, right. depending on how the list long the list is running and everything else. There's, there's but a lot it's of important. Like, I think the it. thing that I think the thing that I wanted to kind of get to applicants is, you know, I, I remember it took me six or seven tests, testing processes before I got the job. Um, just because you fail in one does not necessarily mean that you're going to fail in another one. And you have to have a little bit of persistence because at that point, everybody's good. Everybody's strong. You haven't, you're not at that point if you're not a good candidate. I, I want to pass on a little piece of advice my father passed on to me. Um, there are no failures in life, just learning experiences. So okay. take that take that failing test 
and say, you know what, where did I make my mistakes? You know, when, when I was wrestling in high school and college, I would watch my, my matches wins and losses. Why? Because I wanted to see where I, where I did well, but I also wanted to see where I made my mistakes and correct. So I didn't make those mistakes again. A couple interesting ones. Do you shake hands before and after everybody on the panel? Depends. Depends. It it depends. You got to walk in on that situation. You have to, you know, situational judgment. Just feel it. If you walk in and it's a conference table, standard conference table, they stand up. That standing up indicates that they will shake your hand. If you walk into a room and uh, you are far away, separated from that panel, they don't stand up. Then don't don't interpret that as yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're in a council chambers or something like okay. that, where they're actually on a raised surface, okay. uh, and and you walk in and you're kind of floating around out okay. there in the middle. Don't approach that stand okay. because yeah. they're, you're, you're actually going to now ask them to stand up and lean over and down. And it's just not another question. Fun. Another question I get from people. Um, thank you note. Do you send a thank you? Yes. Uh, traditionally, uh, although it might not mean a lot to that specific agency, it shows uh, maturity and professionalism. Um, it Ultimately, for some agencies, for most agencies, it's probably just going to go in a file. Okay. And, but it's that one little thing that just makes you stand out. And if, if I have to choose between the guy who, who didn't do it and the guy who did, um, I'm going to go with the, you know, all things being equal, I'm going to go with the guy who took that extra step. Or maybe this isn't the department for you, but again, talking about the consistency of applications, another department down the road calls and says, Hey, you know, this person came in, we know they applied with you. What was your take on them? That's the opportunity. Hey, great guy came in, thanked us, was real professional, real diligent, sent a thank you note. That was a really, that was something that stood out. That's going to help you down the line. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we get past the orals. Things are good. Uh, we've almost got this job. We're literally, it's literally in the palm of our hand. What comes next and what are some of the pitfalls? Generally, what would come next would be, uh, a background investigation and this is where the pitfalls of being dishonest we had talked about that in the, the this the is where if you didn't pay attention to the first part of the podcast it's gonna bite you yes um you you need to make sure that everything you a- answer is complete and honest because this is where those background investigators are gonna really re- they're really gonna find it yep and if all goes well in that background investigation you'll get a uh, conditional offer and that conditional offer allows us to run additional testing that is not part of the basic uh, initial application, okay. such as a polygraph, medical examination, uh, psychological evaluation. All those will be um, a preliminary to you actually getting that job. Okay. And again, state by state, depending on what a state it is, New Jersey does not do poly- polygraphs, but many other states and, and federal agencies all do. Yeah. So. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's not something to stress over. Listen, just be honest. I mean, these things just tell the truth at this point you've gone through so much and you've laid out so much and you've passed if you've passed a background the polygraph shouldn't scare anybody no no it's just be it's all about being honest with yourself and being honest with the questions that are being asked okay and then hopefully after it's all done you get the letter and and the letter would basically be be your offer of employment basically outlining uh which starting salary would be what what part of uh 
you know, what your start date would be, and, and then you would go to the academy. That's it. And then that's a whole nother world. That's another world. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do that. We'll do an episode on the Academy because there is an Academy survival guide and, you know, we've all been through that environment and we all have different tips and tricks to kind of get you through the next phase there where you can do well and have some sanity. Um, so uh, I think this is a good place to end it. Uh, we've covered the application process and the initial entry process for a entry-level law enforcement officer. Um, and I think, you know, this is something that, you know, people go into, you can't go into it willy-nilly. You have to have a strategy. You have to have a plan. And this is where you get professional help, right, Jim? Absolutely. So Definitely need professional help for um, not only for entry, but throughout your career, continue to train continue to get those in-service trainings, um, seek additional education, whether it be through uh, college, formal college education, um, and, you know, promotional training to assist you in getting those promotions. And I've said this time and time again, I, I don't care if you're a baseline patrolman or the chief of police, the day you say, I don't need to learn anything else, that's the day you really need to hang it up because um, you never stop learning. Every day. Again, I'm, I'm 24 years on the job, and I, and I was in a class all day today, and it's a six-week course. So uh, I'm all about continuing to yeah, learn. Yeah, if you, if you don't like going to school, law enforcement is not going to be a place for you. Absolutely Because you're always going to be there. So, okay, so that was it. Um, we're going to close out this episode of LEO Radio, uh, talking about the entry-level process. And uh, we got some good advice for everybody who may be thinking of getting on the job uh maybe you have a young daughter son relative niece nephew who's out there um this would be a great uh intro podcast to kind of get them into what to expect and how to uh have the best chance to succeed so for leo radio i'm dan schwester i'm jim harris phil rizzo dave mckellen and be careful out there